Bobert's ex-husband, Jason Bobert, was arrested on six charges on Tuesday, three of which, according to police officers in the town of Silt, Colorado, are in fact related to the incident that happened on Saturday. Jason was charged with uh, prohibited use of weapons, third degree assault, and obstructing a peace officer. Now, as we all know, over the weekend, Lauren Bobert and her husband, Jason Bobert were at a restaurant. Jason called the police to say that he had been the victim of assault at the hands of Lauren Bobert herself. Bobert, as I discussed earlier in the week, denied these claims, said that he was getting a bit aggressive with her, not necessarily physically, but she kind of felt it was getting there. So she shoved him in the face. Jason then said he regrets calling the cops. And now I think we know why, because Jason has been arrested, not Lauren. However, it is worth noting that the police officers in Silt who did speak to the press said that the investigation is still going into Lauren's behavior. So they, they did say it's about to come to an end, but as of this recording, Lauren herself has not been hit with any criminal charges. Now that may change depending on the results of this investigation. So Jason, uh, by the way, let me read this from the daily beast here. In addition to the assault weapons and obstruction counts, Bobert was also charged with harassment strikes, shoves, kicks, disorderly conduct, and third degree trespassing. The record show all are misdemeanors except for trespassing, which is classified as a petty offense. Petty offenses carry up to 10 days jail time, a fine or both according to Colorado law. So Jason got hit with a lot of charges, but a lot of smaller charges. He paid his $2,500 bond and of course was immediately released later in the day on Tuesday. So what does all of this mean? It means, as I said earlier in the week, Lauren Boebert probably just needs to go ahead and resign from Congress, right? I don't think she needs to finish out her term. She sure as hell doesn't need to be running for reelection. She needs to get her life in order. Again, her and Jason together have four children, which by the way, is actually, according to the records, the same amount of arrests that the two have between each other as well. Actually, I think they have more arrests than four. So they actually have more combined arrests than they do children, but they still have four children. This is an individual who is a lawmaker in the United States. And granted, as I said, at this time, she has not been hit with criminal charges. She has in the past. This is not a role model. This is not an upstanding citizen. This is not the kind of person that we should have in Washington, DC. And I'm not saying, oh, she's got so much family drama. She shouldn't be allowed to be a lawmaker. What I'm saying is she needs to put the good of her family over her quest for power. Because let's be real here, folks. Lauren Boebert isn't serving in Congress because she wants to make a difference in the world. She got famous several years ago because CNN did a segment about her restaurant where the servers carried guns. She rode that popularity to that house seat and that popularity quickly eroded. She wanted more popularity. She wanted to be a household name. She doesn't give a damn about doing anything for the people in her district. She voted against the uh, uh, infrastructure package that directly brought money to her district, tried to take credit for it. Biden had to go to her district and call her out for lying to him about it. 
So no matter how you slice it, Lauren Boebert has been a failure in Congress. She was a failure as a restaurateur. Uh, she's failing her children, you know, with whatever arrangement her and Jason have, this is not safe for those kids. You know, the Republican party allegedly cares so damn much about kids. Well, Lauren Boebert clearly not doing what she needs to, to protect her children. Okay. This is a family in shambles that she needs to be more worried about her personal life and the life of her children than running for reelection in a new district in the hopes that maybe she can convince enough people there to vote for. Her. I do think these incidents kind of just kind of seal the deal for her. I do not think she's going to survive the primary this year. And that's probably for the best for her and her kids. She needs to fix what's happening in her life rather than pretending to fix the problems the country's facing. Donald Trump has apparently decided that since his New York fraud trial has just been so terrible since day one, he's going to end it on the worst possible note by giving his own closing arguments in court. Now, as we all know, all that's left for the New York fraud trial, once they come back is to deliver closing arguments. And according to reports this week, Donald Trump is going to be one of the people on his side delivering those closing arguments. Trump is going to stand up in front of the court, address the judge, address the prosecution, address all the people in the court that he has been fined for, you know, <laughs> attacking when he was told not to. Um, so yeah, this is going to be fun. Um, I really, really wish they had cameras in the courtroom because I would love to see what Donald Trump has to say. There is no way there is zero chance whatsoever that Donald Trump is going to stand up and say a single thing that helps his case. Like there is no way that could happen. I am saying there is a 0% chance. It is impossible. Even in a world where anything is possible. Even as physics tells us that, Hey, certain things that seem impossible could be possible. No, 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 no. It is impossible for Donald Trump to deliver a single statement in a closing argument that will help his case. Here's what's going to happen. Donald Trump's going to stand up. He's going to say bad things about the prosecutor, attorney general, uh, Letitia James. He's going to say bad things about the judge. He's going to rant and rave like a lunatic about this being a political persecution. He's going to talk about his polls. He's going to trash Biden. He's going to go after Jack Smith, even though Jack Smith isn't involved. And those are probably going to be the sane things that he says. God only knows what kind of insane things this man is going to have vomit out of his mouth as he stands up in that courtroom. Assuming of course, he actually goes through with this. Now I can only assume two things again, if we're operating under the assumption that this report is accurate and he is going to do this, it's either because one, he knows that his lawyers have screwed things up so badly that, Hey, why not give it a shot? Right? So he either has no faith in his lawyers or his lawyers have no faith in themselves. It all comes down to his lawyers because his lawyers, again, led by Alina Haba, by the way, if she may not be the lead, but let's face it, she's pulling the strings. They either have no control over their client to the point where they cannot tell him, no, you're not going to do this. 
or they understand that, hey, like we screwed up so bad. Like what's the worst that could happen now, right? Let's just put that guy up there. He'll say it. Hey, it'll save us some work. We don't have to write out our closing arguments or anything. Just let this guy do it and we're all going to lose anyway. Hell, we already lost technically. Donald Trump doesn't seem to understand <laughs> how much is on the line here because it's not just the $370 million that Letitia James is trying to get from him. It's also the fact that he will lose permanently forever for all of eternity, his ability to do any kind of real estate business in New York, the state of New York, not just New York city folks, but in all of New York, Donald J. Trump, former president of the United States will not be able to do any real estate business at all, which means Trump tower that's gone. Like it's gone. You, you can't have it anymore. You cannot rent out any spaces in it because that's doing real estate. You can't sell it. I mean, hell Trump tower may actually become property of the state of New York. If he can't pay up the $370 million that he's going to get hit with. And he's going to risk it all by getting up in front of that court and insulting the judge. The one guy who has all of the authority to make the final decision here. Yeah, that seems like a real smart move. So once again, kudos to Donald Trump's legal team for not being able to stop him from doing this because y'all absolutely just lost everything for him. This week, while Donald Trump was talking to reporters about, you know, his horrible immunity court hearing that he had this week, he took a moment to basically spread a conspiracy theory about Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis. Now, Donald Trump, by the way, did not necessarily start the conspiracy theory, nor did he expand upon it while he was talking to reporters. But here is what Donald Trump delivered in his cryptic little message. You had a very big event yesterday, as you saw in Georgia, where the district attorney is totally compromised. The case has to be dropped. They went after 18 or 20 people. She was out of her mind. Now it turns out the case is totally compromised. It's illegal. What she did is illegal. So we'll let the state handle that. But what a sad situation it is. All right. So you're on the edge of your seat right now. You're like, well, what the hell happened? How is Fonnie Willis suddenly totally compromised in a way that makes all of the indictments completely moot? Well, here's what happened. Mike Roman, who uh, was a Philadelphia based political operative who served as Trump's director of election day operations on his 2020 campaign and faces seven criminal charges in Georgia. Mike Roman filed a complaint with the court via his lawyer, alleging that Fonnie Willis and another top prosecutor working on these cases uh, are engaged in a quote, improper romantic relationship, thereby making the indictment quote, fatally defective. Now, Mr. Roman failed to provide any evidence at all that Fonnie Willis was having a romantic relationship with a fellow prosecutor also working on this case. But here's the fun part. Even if he had provided evidence, if they had a private investigator following her, showing them having romantic dinners and doing the things that couples do. Okay. So how, how does that affect the indictments? Now, if Fonnie Willis had been, I don't know, having an affair with one of the grand jurors, then hell yeah, you got a case, you got an argument. 
but this is just another person at the office that's also working on the case. Like they didn't cook up these indictments because they may or may not be, be sleeping together. Like that's, that's not a thing. And you don't even have any evidence that the two of them are. All you say in your complaint is that, well, I mean, some people have said that this could, ha- maybe it's happening. We don't know. But other people said it may. How, how does that invalidate the indictment? Somebody please explain that to me because it makes no sense. What's happening is that people like Mike Roman are throwing everything at the wall, right? They don't want to have to go to trial. They certainly don't want to go to prison for a minimum of five years, which is what the RICO charges come with in Georgia. So they're trying to just say, you know what? Uh, Fonnie Willis may be having an affair with the other guy at the table. And I'm sure the judge is going to look at that and be like, okay, well, that sounds like a personal issue she's going to have to deal with that has no bearing on this case. It had no bearing on the indictments being handed down. It's just a thing that she may or may not be doing in private, which again, doesn't affect anything in this courtroom. So why are you even bringing it up? I mean, if I were the judge, that's what I would say. Now, if you have evidence of any kind of impropriety between any of the prosecutors and any of the grand jurors, then by all means, let us know. But you don't. Instead, you're trying to say that the main prosecutor might be having an affair with one of the other prosecutors, which doesn't change any of the facts of the case. It doesn't change any of the evidence used. It doesn't change any of the indictments. And it doesn't change any of the decision-making process of the grand jurors as they came to the decision to hand down those indictments. See where I'm going? But nevertheless, Donald Trump told reporters, big things are happening in Georgia. And yeah, big things are happening, bud. But none of them involve Fonnie Willis's personal life. Donald Trump's press conference, if you want to call it that, with reporters after his hearing on Tuesday on whether or not he's going to be given presidential immunity. Uh, Donald Trump predicted that if he does not get his way, if he does not get immunity, he said it is going to be bedlam in this country, just total craziness, chaos, anarchy, if he is not given immunity. Here's what Trump said. It'll be bedlam in the country. It's a very bad thing. It's a very bad precedent. It's the opening of a Pandora's box. Now, just grammatically speaking, you wouldn't say a Pandora's box. You would say it's the opening of Pandora's box. You do not need the a Pandora's box there because there is only one Pandora's box. So grammatically speaking, that drives me crazy. You didn't have to use the word a, but Legal experts are pointing to this saying that his prediction of bedlam is essentially a veiled call to his supporters to go nuts if he loses the court case. And it's kind of hard to see it as anything other than that, right? I mean, it wouldn't make much sense for somebody to go out there and just randomly say like, Hey, people are going to go crazy, which is effectively what bedlam is. You know, it's chaos. It's anarchy. Why would you say that unless you either knew that your base was planning on this, or you were hoping that maybe throwing out a couple buzzwords, maybe giving them the wink and the nod that, Hey, it's, it's going to be bedlam, right? 
and then they do it. I mean, that to me is the only way I can read that. And again, a lot of these legal experts, a lot of the experts on, you know, uh, domestic terrorism, they're reading it the same way. They heard the same thing I heard. And some of them, you know, this is uh, uh, from the Lincoln project. They said more veiled threats of insurrection from an insurrectionist just days after the anniversary of MAGA's January 6th insurrection attempt. Um, uh, another user added nothing veiled about it. One of them said bedlam and opening a Pandora's box are hardly veiled. So Lincoln project said it's a veiled call for violence. Everybody else says, no, nah, the veil's been dropped. He is effectively calling for violence. Now, the clever thing, and this is one of the few clever things that Donald Trump does, is that he did not specifically tell people to create bedlam. He just said that there could be bedlam, right? There, there would be, there could be, there might be, there should be. Well, not should, that's actually a bad word to use, but he didn't say that he wants it. He didn't tell people to do it. He just said it could happen depending on the outcome of this court case. Or even if he said it would happen as an outcome of this court case, that's not him technically, linguistically endorsing it. Therefore, legally, he could not be held liable should something happen, or at least it would be very difficult to hold him liable for that. See, Trump's got this down to an art. He knows exactly what to say and how to say it. He knows how to get his base riled up. He knows how to get them to do and say stupid things but he also knows how to say those things to them without explicitly calling for it, right? He's never told people to call in these death threats. He never told people to call the FBI to go and SWAT Jack Smith or Judge Tanya Chutkin, but his supporters did it anyway. He never told them to issue death threats to the Colorado Supreme Court justices, but they did it anyway. He didn't tell them to storm the Capitol but they did it anyway after he said, fight like hell. He has them trained. They know the buzzwords and they always, when they get caught, say that, well, I thought he meant for me to do this. And there will be plenty of them. If he loses that case, which I'm sure he will, that will absolutely see his call for bedlam as a call to action. Thanks for listening to today's Fair and Balanced Daily. Stay up to date with all of our content by finding us on YouTube at youtube.com slash fairandbalanced and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at fairandbalanced. Balanced.